What's up, everybody? This is Bobby, a.k.a. Bad underscore Bob86. Nickname for my grandma. Nice. We're back here in Las Vegas, Nevada, baby, for another great episode of Fight Junkies. And I got two awesome gentlemen in the house. One of my brothers I just found, a fellow combat vet. Yes, sir. We got the franchise sports in the building. Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. Yes, in the building. We got the host of the main event podcast, Kalani and Griffin Kemp. What's up, gentlemen? What's going on, hey, brother? Man, how you doing? Happy to be here. I'm happy to have you guys. This is awesome. This is a fantastic setup. And like you said, just finding out that you're a military veteran like myself, instant connection right there. I love it because now I won't feel bad bothering you. Not at all. Not at all. your family. <laughs> exactly. That's what it is. Instant. That is one thing very quick. That is one thing I've, I do enjoy about being in, in the service. Whether I meet a Vietnam veteran or an Iraqi veteran, it's that instant connection brother and sister right away. I've met older people, younger people, whatever, and, oh, you serve? And it's instant, almost like, oh, we serve together. We serve three years together. It's it's an awesome feeling to have that type of connection. Yeah, I, I enjoy it. It's been a, you know, it was a rough road, but it's also been way more beneficial than detrimental in my life. Um, and I got to say, like I said earlier, uh, I've been following your work, both you guys. Um, I had no idea that you were a giant <laughs> you yeah, look yeah. you're like the size of Vulcan Ozdemir and some of these guys you're 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 real big are you a football player like you wrestle or you just cut trees down former man former uh played high school football here in Las Vegas or at Palo Verde High School baby the Panthers uh then I actually went out and played D1 college football for uh Cal Poly uh graduated in 2021 and then came right back here to Vegas to do the work you know, we have gridiron junkies. Mm-hmm. Uh, my my good friend George, uh, who is next door. Oh, yeah. Um, he hosts that show. He He's from Vegas. I believe he played high school ball here, too. Yeah. Yeah. And then I had Ni- Eric Nixick, uh, who was also from Vegas, Nganu's mm. uh, coach at Extreme Tour. Oh, and nice. And he played football. I guess football's big out here. It's growing. It's definitely growing out here in the last few years. There are a lot. In, in the NFL, they just had in the drive, what, like three guys get drafted who went to high school in Las Vegas? Yep. The oh, wow. most in the most for one particular city in the NFL draft. So it's growing. It's growing out here. You know, I, I see guys like like yourself. Mm-hmm. Um and I had this conversation with Sean Merriman from the Chargers. Imagine if you guys like post college decided, you know what, I'm gonna I'm gonna just go into MMA. Mm. The the type of athlete it takes, and nothing against mixed martial arts because they're athletes through and through. Of course. But football is just one of the harder sports and it's a combat. Sports, so you're getting hit. I, I did freshman football, got hit once, was like, deuces, I'm going to go. I'm out. Um, that would be a crazy world if everyone that didn't get drafted mm. switched over to go to mixed martial arts. Yeah, someone like an Arian Foster went undrafted, Houston Texans running back. He was talking about he, maybe he could be at a werewolf if he went into it. Well, I always thought about someone like J.J. Watt. Like, after that whole Brock Lesnar build, granted, he was a first-round pick, and he's yeah. a Hall of Famer. Yeah. But I was just thinking, like, what if after football he said, hey, I'm going to take about two years to really train, get my body right, I'm going to give MMA a go. What about the one guy? Uh, You're talking about, uh, I was thinking just now, Dominic Reyes, I believe, played. Uh, Dominic, Brennan Schaub. Yeah. Eric but who's the, the, the guy who's actually in the NFL? Um, he has a bad rap because he – Oh, uh, how's uh, his name? Hardy. Greg Hardy? Greg Hardy. Hardy. Yep. Yeah, yeah, he – He's got a bad rap. He's trying to get a bad record because he's getting knocked out. He's getting knocked out. Slump lately. I will say, like, you have to admit, I mean, the man was in the NFL plate. He, he had a pretty decent career before he was over with the NFL. And then his transition to MMA, 
as good or bad as he's doing, you made it to the UFC. You fought for two of the biggest sports promotions in the entire you know world, really. So that's got to got to give respect to that. Yeah, going bare knuckle. I went to the press conference at the Palms and met uh, all the BKFC guys and and was hanging out with them. And uh, it's different. How do you guys feel about bare knuckle? You, go ahead, Griff. I. It's an interesting, you know, concept. You got grown men and women out there really just punishing each other, really getting those knuckles into the skin and the damage it causes. It's a spectacle, but is it my only thing with it is like is it something that can last? Is it something that's going to make the go the distance and, you know, all these fighting promotions? That's the question with all of them, but it's just bare knuckle, the violence of it and the 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 nuance and how different it is. I'm definitely curious to see how it goes and where it goes like from this point. I'm a movie reference guy. So when Bare Knuckle Fight B, B, BFKC, no, BKFC was yeah. coming out, one of the movies, Undisputed, Wesley Snipes, Vin Rames, when they were supposed to have a fight uh, about, it was supposed to be Bare Knuckle. The old mafia leader in there wanted to be old school rules. But the trainers was like, hey, those guys that fought back then, they trained that way. So they they were used to fighting Bare Knuckle. The guys today fight with gloves. They're not used to it. Give them smaller ounce gloves if need be and go out there. Joe Rogan was a longtime advocate for bare knuckle fight. I never understood why it would be good because I'm like, yeah, but if it's bare knuckles, we're not going to see a lot of punches. Yeah. Guys aren't used to doing it. I think it's exciting. It is a unique concept, but I tell you, man, sometimes. It's different, man. I've, yeah. I've broken my hand probably three or four times uh, in high school. I haven't really been in any, you know, thankfully, since I've gotten older. I think the last fight was like 2012. Mm. At a bar in Louisiana. <laughs> Old uh, Louisiana. Yeah, I had to get out the back door. Uh, that was a rough night. But um, I, I've broken hands many times. I couldn't imagine the longevity of an athlete. Mm-hmm. And then, like you said, where are they going to go? So you look at a new organization, right? And I, and I actually made a post that went semi-viral, and I got a lot of hate for it. The last big card with the Eddie Alvarez and uh, Luke Rockhold and mm-hmm. Mike Perry, that was so big. They put so much brass and star power into that card, I was like, now what? Mm-hmm. Like, where you go from here? Yeah. Because yeah. the next card, nobody's going to know who these people are. Right. And these guys aren't coming back right away. No, so. it's not. And that's, yeah, that is a hard part when you got a promotion that you're starting to get off the ground. You put all your eggs in one basket on one card. You hope that carries over to the next one. But like you said, if I don't know who the guys are, I'm not going to fork over my money for that. I'll just wait for the highlights to come out and – Check them out, and you know you just hope your fan base grows from there. Yeah, David suppose. Feldman, the owner, put his more. He took a an equity loan, or like put his house up to be able to make that fight work. Mm, Talk wow. about passion! You wow. know what I mean? No wonder your boy was in the crowd trying to jump was, in. He's like, I need everything. I need all the eyes I can get on this McGregor. Get in there and face off with Perry. That's what I'm saying, man. It didn't hurt that Conor McGregor just decided to walk into the you know what the ring and try to put a belt on and had to stare down with Mike Perry. I mean. It'd be interesting, but that's that's the same thing with all the other promotions that aren't the UFC. You know, it's like you look at Francis Ngannou who just signed with the PFL. That's great, and but you know, then he's gonna go off and do this thing with boxing. But what is it gonna look like when he's actually having to go in there and actually compete in MMA for PFL against guys maybe people aren't as you know familiar with? I don't think he does, to be honest. I think he gets mm, the bag. Really? I think he makes thirty million, and. Calls it. Calls it. Calls it a career. I mean, he does got he does have two brand new knees. And you figure, he I think he could get two boxing match, two big boxing matches. If he doesn't get absolutely starched. Yeah, if it's not like a second round absolute de- demolish from Tyson Fury, which I don't think it would be, 
I could definitely see him and Deontay Wilder at some point stepping in, only because they are two of the biggest punches we've ever seen in our lifetime. And I think that idea of, okay, I lost the Fury, so did you, Wilder. Let us go at it, because we're going we're gonna to throw haymakers. Yeah. Let's see what happens. I think maybe, like you said, if he doesn't get starched, uh, Naganu Wilder at some point, I definitely see that. I think that's definitely possible. In a weird world, and I know he just signed a contract. I don't. I know a little bit about the details, but I don't know all of it, like time-wise. I think he still wants that John Jones fight. I would hope so. And I think John's going to retire after the Stipe fight at MSG, and then the only thing that would bring him back that would motivate him would be Francis Ngannou. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, you, yeah. did you guys see John's tweets? And I mean, Have you can not? say, oh, blah, blah. he's the GOAT. He's, he's not lying. No. He's not. He's... In the last 11 years, I think, every single time he's fought has been a championship fight. Not just that, but then you think, not only championship bouts, look at the guys when he was coming up, when he was a light heavyweight champion, and since he's dethroned all of these guys in impressive manner. It's only been, what, two or three times he actually had a challenging bout? Mm. Every other one, he made it look like they were wet toilet paper. Yeah. They weren't strong enough to be in there with him. I would love it. I mean, granted, you know, there's a certain uh, boss by the name of Dana White. Yeah, I don't think he gonna say, "Yeah, let's do a cross promotion event." I don't think I so. I don't think so. So now you're about the same size as as the heavyweights. I mean, you're like six five, right Around there. Yeah. How do you think these guys that that go up in weight? Like I know two hundred five. I'm sure it'd be real hard for you to make. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, you're probably like 240 on a good day, Pretty like good. on a light somewhere, day, somewhere around there. But what I do wish. you think the the weight? Like, let's say we got UFC 291 in, in Salt Lake City, Utah. Um, mm. I know we're going to get into yeah, that. Of course. So mm. being an athlete and being a larger, like, athlete, how do you think the the weight from 185 to 205 is really going to fare? Because you've probably had guys that were like, I'm going to come up or I'm going to play a position against you, mm. and they had never before, and you just ran through them. Because right. we're talking this is the biggest separation in weight yeah. in any of the divisions for, for Poetan, right. you know, 185 to 205. How do you think – and we can let's break that fight down. You guys want to talk about that fight? Let's do it. Because uh, I like having a big guy in because it's it interests me. Because people they think they know the strength and how the weight is until you're in there with someone like your yourself, and it's like, oh shit! Oh, this is real. That's kind right. of what this happened. <laughs> yeah. What happened to the lights? <laughs> yeah. Well, I can tell you. Uh, obviously, never been a professional fighter in my life. So, but what I can tell you when it comes to weight in football. Uh, guys about my size, about the 6'5", you know, 260 range, more of like uh, the defensive end type, like a J.J. Watt defensive end or tight end, like a Rob Gronkowski. Those are the type of body builds, you know, that, that I feel like I I have. But then you have guys who are like the D tackles and the guards and the centers. And tackles themselves in football are the most ginormous people on the field. You got the left and right tackles. They'll range from about like 6'6 to 6'9 to about 3'30, 3'20. And they're guys who are just athletic. They move. They're Even the offensive linemen, who people might not think are that agile, they're just moving. They're pulling. They're, they're going around, and they're absolutely knocking the snot out of corners and linebackers and get smaller guys than them. So when it comes to the size difference, it's like you can, you know, 6'5", 260 might look, you know, intimidating or look like really, really scary. But then you look, but then there's guys who are about six feet tall, Polynesian, about 300 pounds. That's real, real strength. I I got that lesson uh, back at Cal Poly really quick. So it just all kind of, you know, it just all kind of depends on your body type, really. Not even just how tall or how much you weigh, but it's just your genetics. How strong were you made to be when you first came? 
And I think Poetons built for it. Yeah, really so. It's, <clears throat> excuse me, it's just one of those, like, for an example, like when we saw Izzy try to go up to 205 and take on Blahovich, Izzy can make 205. But when you see them in there, is the size different, the strength difference. Yeah, maybe if it was like 195, maybe it's on a little bit even playing field. But it gets to one of those where it's like, son, I'm just bigger and stronger than you. You yeah. guys remember when Forrest Griffin and Rich Franklin fought each other? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Forrest Griffin looked like he was a heavyweight in there. Like, he looked like a gorilla bear in there. And I just put two species together. But he looked ginormous from the from his back. And when him and Rich were engaging, and you're almost like... Pre-USADA. Pre-USADA, yeah. I mean, look, I'm just saying, I went by the rules at the time. Hey, I have been known to take TRT here and there. You know, I'm getting older, so... Yeah, you got to do what you got to do, right? We're not getting tested. Yeah. No. But I'll say, though, kind of how you reference Izzy Adesanya when he moved up and he fought Jan... I think it's a lot different for Poetan. Yeah, Poetan right. looks way bigger than he, uh, than Izzy. Yeah, absolutely. But the things like if you all y'all remember in that uh, build up to the fight, Izzy came out and said, "I'm not going to put on weight. I'm gonna I'm not going to cut weight, obviously, but I'm not going to put on any extra weight." He felt like he didn't need to. When you have Poetan over here, he is naturally a big old dude, big nasty. You know, with the power and everything, he's. I'm interested to see what's going to happen when it comes to the ground game because that's what happened with Jan and Izzy. Jan was able to get him down real easy, pin him down for the all five rounds. Uh, I don't think he's going to be able to do that against Poetan. I think Alex Piera is going to force him to stay on the feet and really, you know, see who's better when it comes to exchanging uh, Dukes. I, I could see that happening, but I agree semi, um, but Izzy took him down, you know, yeah, which makes me believe that Jan's going to, but if we look at the grand scheme, and we're talking about the the co-main event under the BMF, right, um, mm-hmm. in Utah this coming Saturday, Jan Blagowicz, former 205 champ, going against the former 185 champ in a division that's kind of been cursed, and there's a vacant it's, belt right now. Yeah, It really has been. Um, I got a question for you guys, because I was thinking about this yesterday. If the scheduling was different, if the BMF belt didn't exist, do you think that they would be headlining for an interim? And then we'd have Justin and Dustin under them as a co. Like I don't know why it's not, in my opinion, and because you got two former champs, or con- you know who we know would be clearly the number one contender to fight for the belt. Mm-hmm. So why not get a clear, concise interim champ, and then you unify the titles? I think that's what we were talking about on our show on the main event, um, saying like, yeah, okay, it's an unfortunate circumstance. He pointed out a good one. He's like, yeah, but usually when you do that. The bigger title is going to be the main event. And I think, like you said, with the BMF already there, it's like, yeah, we kind of can't put you. I don't know why the UFC thinks, I don't like, does that really matter to you guys? Like, if the light heavyweight championship is the co main event, but the middleweight championship is the main event, does that really matter to you guys? I go off of who's the bigger draw. If the middleweight champion is a bigger draw than this champion, even though you're a weight class above me, I should still be the main event. I don't get why the UFC feels. That what the bigger titles have to be in front of the smaller ones if it's going off that. I, I don't understand. What well, do you guys you're think? You're a boxing guy, right? Yeah. How how is boxing? Boxing is who's the big star. Rarely do they ever go with the uh the well-known champions. You know, boxing has 17 belts for every division, which is mind-blowing. But whoever the bigger star is. So if it's Fury on, on the car, like we talked about with Nagano, 
He's the main event, obviously. But let's say if you were a heavyweight champion that was lower, you had a lower belt, no, the middleweight champion is going to be up there. Canelo is going to be up there. It goes off whoever is the draw. Who's the guy everyone's coming here to see? Everyone else falls in line under there. So I think they've done that in some aspects, but it's not frequent. You know, like yeah, I, I remember, and they they do it a lot with the women's too, with the women championships. They're they're clearly even if it's a bigger anticipated fight, more on the line, they'll still put them, unfortunately, below like a one twenty five pound you know yeah. flyweight belt or something, which I don't agree with. Um, Unless it's Connor, then they're always going to be. It's, if it's Connor, it, 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 you have no choice. Forget about it. Yeah. And if any of you watching think for a second that if Connor beats Chandler, he doesn't get an immediate title shot, that, stop watching the show. That's what <laughs> like, I've been saying. Like, that, <laughs> UFC, oh, the second they can give Connor a title shot, it's going to happen. Yep. No matter what. I don't care who the champion is at lightweight, they'll prob- he's never going to touch featherweight again. He, Connor will never go down there. But welterweight. That could be an option for him, too. And for a second there, during the whole debacle with uh, uh, Kobe Covington becoming the backup fighter for Leon Edwards and Usman, and then him kind of jumping the line, people were really speculating, and I was one of them, that is this all getting set up just so Connor is going to be the first man to hold three belts? Not simultaneously, but three belts at certain points in three divisions. That's Obviously, Dana would love that to happen. Of course. Mm-hmm. But I think they need to really... And I won't say protect Connor because I, I was I, I was with Chandler at USCX for a little bit talking to him. Beautiful guy, yeah. mm-hmm. handsome. Yeah, Chandler, you're a stud. He's taking care of himself. Yes, sir. You're a little too tan. <laughs> oh no! Slow it down. But yeah, he's an '86 baby too, so we're the same age. Um, so I can't say he's they're protecting Connor because Michael Chandler is a complete terminator. Oh, very much so. But they also. So the mystique of Connor, I think if he loses again, I don't know. You know, we we're okay with the last loss because he uh, he broke his leg. Yeah, and we were okay with him coming back after a long layoff, fighting arguably one of the greats and losing. We're okay with that because he had been out. Yeah. If he comes back again and he loses, I just don't think that the fans are going to be. You know, it's not going to be one of those Conor McGregor moments. Mm-hmm. There's something about a Conor McGregor fight week that just. You cannot replicate with any other fighter, you know. I think it goes away if he if he loses again. Absolutely, and I mean, just off that topic, real quick, you know, rest in peace, Shanae O'Connor, who passed away yesterday. Uh, most fans can recognize her if they don't know her music already. She was the woman who sang Conor McGregor out when he went out to fight. Uh, Eddie Alvarez. Eddie, or was it ever? No, it was Chad, Chad Mendez. Mendez. It was Chad Mendez. International Fight Week. Chad Mendez was a late replacement. For Rafael Dos Santos. Oh, I thought she sang an MSG for the the champ champ belt. I don't. I could be, I'm probably wrong. She might have. I, 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 it's just that walkout with Connor is the one I always kind of remember because it's it's one of my personal favorite walkouts, and it perfectly. De- uh, if you go and look at it up in YouTube, it perfectly captures just how iconic and absolutely insane Connor McGregor, the the mystique of Connor McGregor is. He comes out to a live uh, musician singing him out there with the entire crowd. You know, going crazy, the ole, ole, ole's when he's out there in the fight. It's just, it's it's crazy. It's the reason that he's the biggest star the UFC has ever had. And for a while now, for, and for some time, I think it's he's going to be the biggest. I don't know if we're going to ever see somebody who reaches that level. But I do agree with you that if he takes a loss in this next, whenever he just, whenever he's able to get back into the octagon, whenever he fights again, if he doesn't win, it's 
gun, and I'm a con, I'm a, I'm a ride or die. Oh, oh I'm a Connor Dick rider for oh, sure. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Oh no. Oh, no. oh you're out mad. I'm saying so. Oh. No. Oh, let's go. No. Let's go. I mean, I've been following this twenty something years, but yeah, I'm definitely a. Now, don't get me wrong. I got three pictures with Conor McGregor. I've stood in line to to meet this dude or watch his open workouts. I'm a fan of him as well. But when I sit next to this dude, we will literally talk about a movie. Ain't as good as Conor McGregor's interview, though. Dude, what does that have to do with anything? So he does it to the ultimate extreme. But it was Chad Mendes because Chad Mendes had a a country singer bring him out as well. And Dana was like, that's who you're picking? Because Dana didn't know who it was. He was like, Chanel, kind of, even if you don't know her music, you know the name. Mm-hmm. And okay, but when McGregor loses, he doesn't lose in impressive fashion. Like it, it he gets mollywopped. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Nate Diaz submitted him. That was not a back and forth war. Like Diaz, when uh, Habib beat him down, that was a one sided ass whooping he gave him. Poirier knocks him out. So it's one of those where McGregor's either going to knock you out in impressive fashion or he's going to get mollywopped. And honestly, I think he doesn't even fight Chandler. I don't I, even think he fights. I think he waits to see, does Kobe Covington beat Leon Edwards? Because if so, 170 next year. UFC 300 in March. I'm just saying. It lines up perfectly. Covington, who I absolutely despise. I think he. And McGregor, 170. Come on now. I don't know if they do that to Connor. <sighs> I think, yeah. Connor has to prove more, though, at welterweight. I mean, his only. Two fights were, or three fights technically, was Nate Diaz and then uh, Donald Cerrone. Yeah, it's the UFC is going to push Connor no matter what for a title shot, but they have to have some kind of sense to it. They have to be able to say, "Look what he just did to so and so at this weight division." What do you mean he doesn't deserve a title shot? Like all they really need him to do is get one fight. Yeah, if he starts as Chandler, but is it good? Did we ever? Uh, did they ever set out if that's actually going to be at lightweight or welterweight? Well, I looked at the UFC's schedule. They're pretty scheduled out up until like the beginning of next year. And the way the lightweight division's going right now, Chandler and everything I've watched with him, he's smart to wait. Because yeah. you could go fight three times in the next 12 months, and it's still not going to be that that same amount of money you're going to get when you fight Connor. So, panty night, dude. Yeah, wow. let's let's just say right now it's July. And it, let's, let's call it August. Let's say... August, September, October, November, December, right? Mm. That's when he could be eligible to fight. Mm-hmm. So you January, February, March. What's three more months? So if you're eligible, I want three more months to train. I think we see Connor and Chandler headline UFC 300. Ooh, Ooh that's that was, a good one. That was that's that. a good one, especially if we're talking about having uh, some particular billionaires on the undercard. Oh shit! Yeah, if, if, they're, if they're on the card, great way to promote is. Have the biggest star on there, be headlining it with those guys running underneath. Biggest pay per view in history. That'll be the you... biggest anticipated, most boring fight. I was gonna say you're not talking Zuckerberg and uh, uh and Mr. Elon Musk. Yeah. Man, no. Hey, no. look, I'm not saying it's gonna be the thrill in Manila, but have we ever seen billionaires fight each other? But the crossover for the fighters uh, and for us, you know, as people in the community, I think would be tremendous. We're talking the entire world would watch. Yes, but it would be. If you and I threw down in the parking lot, he's gonna pick me up on my head, and he's gonna beat the dog shit out of me in thirty seconds. Yeah, You're, yeah. we're gonna pay eighty dollars to watch that. Like yeah. it's just like we have a fifty-something year old man, and then we got a guy who's you know a jujitsu guy, yeah. who I don't think's ever been punched in the mouth in his life. Does not mm-hmm. look like it. Um, yeah, well, I mean, I think we're gonna be really excited, and they're gonna get in there, and they're yeah. gonna gas out in three minutes, and it's gonna be boring. You it's, know, yeah, but at the same time. 
I, I'm all in for it. I think they should tie one hand behind their back and get a machete and go in there. <laughs> I think they should have a tag team partner, all right? Elon Musk and tag team John Jones. Dana White and uh, Vince McMahon can be their tag team. There you oh, go. Hey. Oh, I would love that one. That, now, they're friends, though. Vince yeah, but, and Dana are friends. But everyone loves that color green. Hey, that is true. And Vince definitely would come in there and, and say, let's go, buddy. But, I don't know if Dana would, but Vince will say, let's do it. Dana's feeling good right now. Oh, His, uh, Dana's looking good. Man. Yeah. Jesus. Looking real good since he don't got to get tested either. Speaking of jacked people looking good, um, this card had a fight that fell out. Costa uh, mm. was supposed to fight, mm-hmm. which I think it was an injustice to him. Um, because of the star power he holds and everything he's done in the top five in this division, fighting everybody. Mm-hmm. Oh, excuse me. I think when you build somebody up like that, that has an entire region of Brazil behind them, and he's got a lot of the girl community behind him. So it's it's a, cool. he's got a lot going on. He really does. It was an injustice to him in a whole, and I think that's why he... Because he, he's, I think, one of the top five paid in contracts, you know, for show and, and win money. Mm-hmm. Now he's going to fight the wolf. Mm. Yes, I'm sir. interested to see your guys' take on that because I have a I have a take because of his last performance and if you look at the weight classes and I'll dive into that I, I want to hear what do you guys think of that fight Hamza versus uh, Paulo Costa? Uh, like you said, a very big injustice to this man to you know his original fight. I think this fits him much better. This is much more respectful, but at the same time, I almost see it as the UFC is using this matchup between Paulo Costa and Hamzat Chemaev as more of a, all right, Hamzat, it's time. It's time. You, we had the whole mess with weight cutting back uh, when you were supposed to fight Nate Diaz at 170, and then you had to catch weight with uh, Kevin Holland. But now he's faced up with another mid- a middleweight and one of the best middleweights in the world in Paulo Costa. Uh, it's a it's a great matchup. It's a great fight. People are going to be excited for it. I know I am. I think that it's, though, the UFC is saying, we need you to start competing for the title at middleweight because we see Izzy Adesanya, you know, he, outside of his loss to uh, Alex Pierre, he's ran that division. Uh, he's knocked off every single ranked fighter who's in the top rankings right now, at least most of them outside of Strickland. Uh, he... I think that they want to throw Hamza into that division to really just implode it, to really say, look, let's see what happens when we get this guy who we've been hyping up for years. Since COVID, he's been getting, he's been hyped up and almost uh, not coddled, but you know what I mean. The UFC leading their yeah, star. They the Conor way. McGregor his ass. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> in a white privilege. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. So I think it's going to be a great fight. I think that if Hamza does get that victory over Costa, I think after that, maybe like a Robert Whitaker, maybe... Uh, I think he goes right to the belt. You think straight title shot? I think yeah. so, too. Be- only because of how... Look, if if Strickland does fight Izzy, and, uh, you know, I'm a member of Extreme Guitar, Eric, love you. I just don't think Strickland... He's a striker. Let's be honest. Yeah. And, and, you yeah. know, I love Strickland. I want to ride motorcycles with you, bro. Don't beat me up. <laughs> uh, but I'll let you beat my ass for an interview. With gloves on. There absolutely, absolutely. I'll take an ass with him for a cool interview. I just don't see him beating Izzy. You know, I mean, he's always going to have a puncher's chance. That's anybody's chance out there. He's a tough son of a gun. You just never know. Izzy right now, he's so fuck, he's so focused on uh, Duprisi that does he overlook Strickland? Does he maybe come in looking so far ahead at the next fight that he overlooks a tough son of a gun in Strickland? I mean, 
it's possible. And then again, he's a striker. Strickland has nothing to lose. He's literally like, hey, look, I can literally go out here and just try to throw haymakers, hit the green slam, go for the home run shot because this might be my one and only chance. But as far as Hamzad and Costa, I agree with you, Griff. This is basically just saying, hey, look, we don't know how much longer Paul Acosta's star power is going to be there because, again, he didn't look good in his last fight against Rockhold, who literally had his hands on his knees That's, in the fight, a taking a deep fight. breath. Granny, That was, was like awesome. backyard at a party. It really was. Yeah, yeah. it was Salt Lake City, too. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So oh, it, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. So I definitely think they're trying to use Costa's star power to say, hey, look, take on this guy. If Costa was to go ahead and starch him, he might be able to jump up to a title shot pretty soon as well. But I think the Wolf, if he goes out there, does what he's been doing to everybody, kill everybody, then it's a chance to say, okay, you're next in line. Once DDP gets healthy, maybe we'll throw you one more bone, somebody else. But you're right on the fast track to get that title shot just because he's also such a huge star in the making. That's why I think he goes right to it. Duplessis, I respect the guy. He's, he's done his job, you know. Mm -hmm. But I don't think if the stars align and Dana has – you you know he's yeah. gonna go ah Hamza because I mean how do you not well but he may want to protect Izzy too if he fights Hamza he might get wrestle fucked well see that choke the hell out because Izzy is like we talk about Connor Izzy's a mega star he's a the highest paid active fighter right he's now. a yeah. big big star for the UFC his entrances his uh, his interviews his fights sometimes can be. Whatever, but his opponents also got to contribute as well to putting on exciting fights. But he is a mega star, so like you said, do I really want to throw him out there just yet? Especially when I know I got DDP here, and maybe I'll try to save that fight for whenever we do UFC Africa, maybe to see who really is the African king. Is how do you feel about all that? You're, piece, because piece you're a fellow shit. combat vet, I can ask you. What a what a piece. If of I shit. just met a black man, I wouldn't ask him that. <laughs> but, but, you're, but you're a war vet, bro. I can ask you that. Because I spoke to a friend of mine from No Jumper. I won't say who. Uh, pretty big star over there, and we had a 30 minute conversation about this behind closed doors. Mm. And uh, how did you feel about the, how that all went down in the in the octagon? When Izzy jumped in there and said what he said, I felt like he pulled his card right there. I felt like he he punked DDP right there on the spot and said, oh, you've been talking all this mess. You've been trying to get your name out there, which, smart, good for you. I'm here. You wanted up here. So yeah. what's up now? And granted, I understand for DDP, look, I'm not going to say that word, et cetera, but you poked the bear. Facts. You cannot be mad how the bear reacts once you poke him. That was the first time I think Izzy was actually pissed off. For mm -hmm. real, for real. Yeah, he wasn't being the showman. I'm not going to try to come out here and say rhymes and riddles. No, you want to talk this mess and you want to act like this and that? Let's do it then. I'm right here in front of you. He even told, no, no, we're good. We're good because he's not going to do anything. You know, in a, in a sense, if we were in a parking lot, That'd be like going up to someone, confronting them for talking, and then you slap them and you stand right there and look at them. Yeah, yeah. I just took your card. I just mm. slapped you showing I don't consider you a man because who do you slap? Exactly. Yeah. Mm. I don't consider you a man. I just slapped you. This is how you respond. We'll now, that's one way to look at it, right? Mm -hmm. And my friend, uh, who is a, a black man. <laughs> gotcha. Wasn't just me and another white dude behind closed <laughs> doors just talking all this thing. How do you feel about this? <laughs> so our perspective and his was, if I see, like, I've seen these Karen videos, you know, and we'll get off this topic, but I'm so glad you're a vet, too. Um, that's that's real. If you, if you don't know or if you're young and you're lost and you want to find where you belong in a family, in a community, join the military. Very much so. We just met um, combat vet in the same 
literally the same base in Iraq. Yeah, same one. Yeah. That's why when you mentioned I was like, where were you at? Yeah. Were you here? You said I Spiker. I was like, I peed a little bit. Man. Yeah, a little I got bit. excited. Um, yeah, you'll find people, uh, people that you can trust, people you can be open with, um, and, and that are extremely loyal. So what I got from him and my thing was, like, whenever I see, like, some crazy-ass Karen at an apartment complex – Yelling at like two young black children in a pool, like you. What are you doing in the pool? Mm-hmm. As a community of white people, you know, and I'm from Jersey, man. Like I, I can't really even stand a lot of white people. Uh, <laughs> it just, it. I feel like it sets people like me back who have love for everybody. And on the flip side, my friend was thinking that maybe it was a hit to the black community the way he, as a champion, acted. So how do you, how do you, what do you feel about that? that and then we had a, like an in depth conversation. You know about this. You know, I love the sport of mixed martial arts, just like I love pro wrestling. Sometimes the other fans who like it, they show their ugly side sometimes. Yeah. And I've seen it. I've heard it. It is what it is. I don't necessarily think it set black fighters or black champions back, but it's one of those situations where it's like, see, that's why we can't we can't put them out there. We we can't allow them to do whatever. And I'm not saying it's a big conspiracy, but the mind, in hearing that and, and thinking about it, it's like, yeah, 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 I get it, man. You in the moment, but just take this out. Just take that out. Whatever you're doing is fine. But then at the same time, it's like, yeah, but don't you guys cheer when McGregor was saying all the stuff he was saying to Habib? Oh, that's totally fine. Mm-hmm. It's totally fine when Tito and Chuck had their stuff and they were saying personal things. Oh, we think it's funny when Chell Sonnen calls the uh, the uh, Noguera brothers dummies and 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 special no, ed. And you sh- this is that. the fight, bitch. Shut up. I've said yeah. wild shit to people I'm going to fight. Very much like, so. I think he was completely – I think he should have smacked them in his mouth. I, I, I do too. Outside of, outside of everything he said, that would have been the chair on top. But I just find it interesting when all these other people who look a certain way say crazy stuff. Right yeah. on. Good yeah. stuff. When certain people say crazy stuff, oh no, that's a bad look. Don't yeah. you? Do? It's like, mm-hmm. and I loved how Dana handled it. He's like, "What do you mean? Who gives a shit?" Yeah, he's like, "He's black." <laughs> yeah, who Maybe said it? Was. Is he? He's black. He's Shut black. the fuck up. <laughs> when he said, "What was said?" He was like, "He's wait, like, who said?" Yeah, who? Like Dana, you was right there next. I'm like, "Wait, what happened?" <laughs> you really think he didn't know what, who they were talking about? No, but you also got to think. Hey, I, he... I give him a, a credit on this. There's a lot Dana has to go through. Oh, we wow. already hear at the press conferences he. Like basically deaf in one ear. Mm-hmm. There's a lot going on. I give him the benefit of the doubt that in that moment he probably just like, man, I got so much stuff going on. I'm get this, this, this. It's horrible. Yeah. I mean, even at the apex, I've been there a bunch of times. He can't even come and really sit out near the cage a lot. He'll stay in his room in the back. He can't walk five feet without just being hounded by everyone. Everybody just wants a piece of him, you know. Mm-hmm. And it's hard. I mean, his his. Secretary, she's shout out, you know, she does, uh, she does great. Um, but it's just hard. He's got so much going on. So we're bringing up all this stuff with Izzy because Izzy might fight Strickland and then possibly if, you know, Chemayev wins, he'll fight Izzy. I think that that division is one of the most on fire right now. Yeah. But let me ask you this. Um, the 170 pound division is drastically smaller in a lot of ways than 185, right? A lot of these 185ers could be 205ers. Mm, good. Hamzat just fought Gilbert Burns, who used to be a 55er. Crazy. Mm-hmm. Crazy. And looked like he was in trouble. Yeah. So now we're talking about another Brazilian, mm-hmm. just as talented, 25 pounds heavier, 
and maybe a little meaner. Mm-hmm. I just don't. It's either going to be a, a, he's going to double leg him and he's going to be, you know, choke out Costa quick. Or I think he's, if he tries to stand and bang and play that game with Costa, I think he's going to get fucked up. I think, like, you know, El Dorino Burns is, you know, even though he used to be a lightweight, that boy is something different. All right. Uh, Gilbert Burns is one of my top favorite fighters in, the, in fighting today just because of how tough he is and just his demeanor and how he goes about everything. I think that. If you put Hamza Chimaev in the ring with Paulo Costa, I think he's going to do well. I think it's a problem with uh, Hamza that the, the, the how he's been winning all these fights has been just so dominant. And people before were arguing, well, you know, these are no names. People, we don't like, what does that matter if he beats who and who? But then he fights Kevin Holland after everything that happened with Nate Diaz on that card. And he does the same thing. He gets him out of there real quick in the first round. I think that putting him in middleweight, against a guy in Paula Costa who is not going to go down easy. He's going to be a handful to try to get down onto the mat and try to do all the all the smashing, you know, that he loves to do. <laughs> I think that you know, it's a really good matchup. It's a real it's it's his first honest challenge to be honest with you. Yeah. During his time in this UFC. I think he got humbled in the last. So, it's either going to be one way. He goes in there with that fighter mentality, a little bit of fear in his heart because he knows what just happened with the other, you know, fight. Um mm-hmm. Or he's going to be overconfident, and the same thing's going to happen that happened with Gilbert. I think he thought he was going to run through Gilbert. He thought. That's, and I know he thought he was going to run through him. And he just kept showing up. Yeah. So, who, official predictions, who, who you guys got? Costa and, and, and Tamayev? I'm going with Costa. Really? I'm going with Costa, man. The secret juice. It's see, real. Can, can we can we get a, a round? No, no, and, no, and a no, no. I'm not, I'm, not I'm not doing two minutes and thirteen seconds. Fake left <laughs> head kick with a right. Costa. You just saying Costa. I'm just covering myself that way. If it goes the distance, hey, I picked him. I got you. Got you. I damn, that's hard. I think Hamzat. I think I'm going Hamzat with that one. I think he. There's a reason the UFC has been building him up to be the star that they need him to be. He is got some type of animal dog wolf whatever you want to call it inside him that he just he's levels above these other guys and i think paulo costa is going to be the first showcase where they're where it's finally and you know he's finally arrived where the ufc wanted him to go he's there if he gets that win over costa what about you battle i, I love costa man he cracks me up he's the best you know if i could be reincarnated after i die into a sexy brazilian it would be costa i would oh, not yeah. be mad mm-hmm. he's a beautiful man he is uh, if I didn't love vagina, my wife's so much, <laughs> cost to be the guy. I just, I'm going to go with Hamza as well. I just saw a picture of him that just, look, Costa's comfortable. And, and I know Hamza is too, but I guess they both kind of grew up rough in Brazil and then mm-hmm. over in Chechnya. But I just think there's something else inside of, inside of Hamza. Mm-hmm. I think Costa's going to be the biggest test or it's going to be quick. Mm-hmm. So my official prediction for Costa versus uh, Chimaev is the wolf. Mm. If, it's cool. if Costa loses, does he need to move up to lightweight? I mean, light heavyweight? I don't know. He's looking pretty shredded. Right? I think he was just eating too much and chilling and yeah. partying and enjoying the good life. I mean, I, I don't blame him for it, but yeah. you know, at some point you got to think, you know, kind of like we were saying with some of the 185ers, they could go down to welterweight or uh, move up. It's like, look, we've already been ran through by Izzy. 
We're not going to get a third, fourth chance at them. We got to try another division if we want to be in the top five, top three, number one contender again. Got to try something else. Yeah, the lightweight and 185 has been the same for years. I mean, they tried to get some new 155ers <laughs> in there, but Justin Gaethje kind of yeah, shot that down. He kind of said, yeah, no mas. Fiziev was a savage. Oh, but Fiziev is up next. His time will be coming very shortly, but it's just it was unfortunate he ran into the highlight. Yeah, so let's get into the highlight. Let's get into it. So the main event, the BMF belt. Um, first, how do you guys feel about the BMF belt? I think we spoke about it a little bit earlier, but like – we talked about titles and like you know placings on the card. How do you? Go- I personally like it. I think it's cool. Uh, I love it. Just for legacy, you yeah. Know? Like I'm the fucking BMF. Exactly. You know? Right. I love it. On our show, the main event, I always point out to uh, Griff that they should make this an annual thing. Every year, they should have a, a new bout. Doesn't necessarily have to be restricted to the welterweight division. Mm. Whatever division, when you get two bad motherfuckers to go at it. That should be the title. And we know the UFC loves to do pay-per-views with a title on the line. That's one pay-per-view where they could say, if our champions are injured, already scheduled, just recently fought, can't turn around, bam. That's the UFC uh, BMF title uh, pay-per-view right there. I think it'll be awesome, like you said, for Legacy. Yeah, it's not something that they did after Jorge Mazarov and ADS. But now, what if they continue it? This one. Next year, it's one. Five, seven years from now, that becomes a thing. Oh, I was a two-division champion, a BMF champion in 2026, whatever the case may be. I love it. I love the idea of it, and I think it's fun. I'd make the argument, like, what's a big spe- uh, What's one big criticism people always have about boxing? Too many belts. Yeah, too many. Way too many belts. Nobody knows what it, like, okay, you have this organization's belt, but you don't have these three other ones over here, and it's all in the same division. I think that, you know, the BMF title it's exciting it's it really is i mean when we had it with like you said jorge masvidal and nate diaz you had the rock coming in with it over his shoulder wrapping it around jorge yeah it was just such a big thing at the time and it was so hyped but it's like what does it really mean to these fighters when they get it for their uh you know eventual goal to get to a title shot and be the champion of their divisions does it help you at all is it more of a popularity type thing where they're just the two hottest names uh, let's throw the BMF title on there and make it so the you know we can amp up the card even more. I want the BMF title to have a little bit more clarity. I want to hear from Dana White and the UFC. Maybe you know the BMF belt when that's on the line, it's kind of like a number one contenders fight. You know that it, once you get the BMF belt, you're almost guaranteed to fight for the title right after. But well, it, we know what it is. I mean, if we, <laughs> I'm just you, saying, they did it for the money. Yeah, that's it. It's, it's yeah. For the money. that's not a problem. You know, it's, this as is a Jorge, what was it like winning the BMF title? As Jorge, what was it like after winning the BMF title? Like, yeah, it does bring a certain level of prestigious of prestigiousness to it. I wouldn't say maybe number one contender, but it puts you in that room. But that's a true fight fan who looks at it as a whole and the athletes and the, the you know the sacrifices they put in to get to where they're at. Yeah. So in your brain, it's like, well. You know, that would be in a, in a perfect MMA world. That would make a lot of sense. But right. we're in the entertainment business we where it's just like, fuck it. Like, I mean, well, let's have fun. Yeah, you let's guys are excited. And we got arguably two of the most violent mm. in the sport. Mm. Yeah. Uh, yeah, they're not out there smacking and punching people in the face, you know, and mm. choking people out in New Orleans. Uh, no. Speaking <laughs> of, I'm going to have him on the show. No um, kidding. The, um, Logan Paul's doppelganger. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's coming wow. on the show next time he hits Vegas. We need to find a Nate Diaz doppelganger and have him come in yeah. and just scare him real quick. Yeah, he yeah. actually works for Prime now and goes around uh, when Logan can't be there. And does, does he go around and get choked out? 
I'm going to ask him. Fair I enough. had uh, over at PJ, who owns Happy Punch promo, okay. I had him on, and he was there no when, it, when the fight. But he's a BJJ black belt, and he knows Nate, so he stayed out of it. Mm-hmm. But, uh, I mean, he was he was just telling me about it, you know, behind closed doors. I was like, holy shit, you were there. When keeping it real goes wrong. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I, I think the BMS is going to be, be great. Um, have you guys thought about this? So we got Dustin Gaethje headlining 291 against... Poirier. Mm-hmm. Do you think that this is a clear number one contender fight? Whoever wins the Charles uh, Oliveira and Islam Makachev. Islam Makachev. And have you thought about if this is the last fight for either one of them? I think uh, Justin Gaethje came out. I think it was after his fight with Vaziv. He said on the mic that this was his final, you know, run at the title. He uh, he made it clear, like you know, he's not that young. He's been uh, like you said, like we said, the lightweight division seems like it's been the same fighters over and over again. And Dustin Poirier and Justin Gaethje are two guys who have constantly been at the top and have always been dancing around that title at lightweight. It just so happened that they ran into, you know, the Khabibs and the Oliveras of that division. So I think that, you know, these two deserve the respect of they're going into the cage once again after after their first fight. You can't help but feel like this has to be a number one contenders fight. They ha- you have to put whoever wins Islam versus Oliveira. You have to put him against the winner of this fight. I mean, we're getting War Two. I in, in my um, shout out Salt Lake City, Utah, baby. You know my hometown, born just right up the street from the Delta Center. Oh shit! Uh, I'm hyped to see that this is the main event. You, I don't even. The BMF title or not, this fight was going to get views. It's I, BMF without the belt. It's yeah, it BMF really without is. It, exactly. yeah. it really is. So and I think when they announced it, people would have been asking, why is this not for the BMF title? If there was going to be any fight where you was going to bring that belt back, this is the one. I do think it's the number one contenders bout. I think both have done. Here, I, I saw this, and I, I, I hope my numbers are correct. They both, since fighting each other, are four and two. Six and two. Mm. Six and two. So, yep. Right. They both have a loss to Oliveira, but they both beat Michael Chandler. They both like like they both had an interim title. Their career after they first fought each other is damn near mirroring each other. Yeah. To where it's like it's poetic that we fight again. I think for Poirier, I think if he was to lose, this might be his last run at fifty five. I think at some point he's gonna try his luck at seventy. He's a big boy, yeah. not necessarily thick, but he's a big dude, and I think he could do, still do a run at one seventy against some of those guys. Gaethje, maybe not so much, and with the wars he's been in. I, yeah, this, like you said, last run. He might he, walk. He, he, it could be. Hell of a career to do it. He came to the UFC with that win streak and showed. He's got more bonuses than anybody. <laughs> I think that he does. has more yeah. post-fight yeah, yeah, yeah. I think he's they said the he's got more bonuses than fights in the UFC. Yes. <laughs> so it's like, you know, this dude, you know, every time he steps in a cage, even when he says, I'm, I'm going to do a different fight style. Okay, Justin. Okay, we'll just wait. We'll just wait. Well, I got to throw it out there. If... Justin Gaethje does retire, and I hope he doesn't. I love seeing him fight. The highlight is tremendous to watch. Amazing. But if he does, I got to reach out to him and his people again because he has a nonprofit where they play golf with disabled veterans like us yeah. um, for mental health. And I want to go out there and shoot a good 137, got and lose 17 balls and have a fucking blast, slam some happy dads uh, and have a good time. So What better way to do it? Yeah, I think that's great that he does that. It I mean, really is. Doing something that you guys. love and helping vets at the same time is... In the years in, in growing up, and obviously us being veterans, once we get out and we look at some of the programs, there are a lot of people out there who are trying to help out as much as they can with what they can. And there's even more out there that are 
just trying to get money, acting like they're fucking helping. There is there is quite a few of that, which is unfortunate. We get one dollar out of every hundred. <laughs> yeah, Shut but but we do. It's like, come on, man. All right, we know what it is, but it is awesome that he does that. In fact, a lot of these fighters, um, you know, they get in there and they're putting their lives on the line, mm. gladiators and warriors to fight each other. But when they step out, they're some of the nicest people you meet. Yeah, some of the nicest people you'll be able to run into. Granted, they know what they can do if if things went sideways, but there's some of the nicest people they can do, and a lot of them do start organizations or charities for different really good causes. So it's awesome to have that and to go out there and uh, support fighters like that. Mm. How do you think the fight goes? War, war too. War. Uh, yeah, you think it's? I I think it's either one of them gets TKO'd or, or KO'd in the fourth, or it's over quick. I don't think it goes five. I think Dustin's going to try to keep it technical at first. Because I think Dustin realizes that the last one is good, but this dude is always dangerous. I can outbox Justin Gaethje. I can stick and move, hit him with some heavy shots, wear on him. He's going to get frustrated and resort back to his natural habitat of just trying to come forward and attack. For Gaethje, I think he wants to stick to the game plan of leg kicks, slowing down. That's going to be his biggest weapon is he's out throw those heavy leg kicks at Poirier to slow down that movement. So if he could get that going, then maybe he can implement his game plan more. But if Justin doesn't uh, start off with leg kicks early on in that first round, mm. it's going to be a long night for him, I think. I agree. But, I mean, you look at their first fight, and that was kind of the problem with Gaethje is that he was way too heavy on those leg kicks. And eventually in the fourth round, he threw that one leg kick, and Dustin was able to counter with that hook, and it was over. I think that, you know, Justin Gaethje's coach, Trevor Whitman, I think after he lost to Poirier the first time, he really, you know, he really implemented Gaethje. You know, like you said, stick with the game plan. Don't get too uh, excited. Don't be going, you know, all breaks, no lose at these guys. You got to have be technical. You got to be calm and you got to go with the flow of the fight. So I think in this one, I don't think he's going to be as heavy with those leg kicks. He's still going to implement them. You can't just throw that out the window, especially how good his kicks are. Gaethje's the hardest kicking man. I, I, I would think argue he ripped his uh, – Ripped uh, Poirier's hamstring in the last fight. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, well, I remember, yeah, he did have a leg injury. I couldn't remember what it was, but yeah, I mean. It, so you think he's just a well-rounded, more calculated fighter now? I think it's, he's he's well-calculated, but he's still the highlight. He's still gaugey. Look, what it, yeah. look at the fight with Michael Chandler. The man will go to war. The man will put himself in the fire, no problem. So I think the fact that these two guys, the most violent men you can find in the UFC who I, th- I would argue these two are the reason that the lightweight division for all these years has been seen as the best division or the most exciting division in the UFC. I think, you know, you're, we're going to get what, we, what we're buying. We're going to get a war. We're going to get two of the toughest son of a bitch motherfuckers in this fucking entire UFC. The whole game. The whole game. They are going to put on a spectacle. And I think, I would argue this one might go a little, I, I would say it goes at least again to the fourth round. Mm. At yeah, least I think, the, it, I think the damage is going to accumulate. I mean, obviously, they're both at the height of their career, and this, there's a lot on the line when it comes to running for the belt again. Mm-hmm. They both touched that interim championship gold. Um, but age is getting there. Um, money has been accumulated. There's a lot of things that, you know, necessarily they have that they didn't have back then. You know, Not that, that so. drive, kind of like what happened to Connor and certain certain mm-hmm. fighters that have a lot of money. But I think the, that the damage that's going to occur over those first 20 minutes I don't see it going to the fifth round. It could okay. be even, you know, late in the third, mm. just because the body, the mind will always be there, but the body, I just think, is going to be broke by the, by it's, the fourth It's going to run out of gas at some point, and you just got to wonder when. Do you guys think, because the BMF title is on the line, 
that there may be more pressure for like because I, I was thinking as you guys were talking. Okay, what if Poirier came in there and tried to take Gaethje down, or if Gaethje tried to take Poirier down? I know Poirier's a little bit better in jujitsu, so maybe not. But what if to try to throw the other opponent off? I can see I'm gonna try to wrestle him. I'm gonna try to wrestle you out there. I'm he's pretty a, good at it. He's a D1 All-American, right? The, yeah. yeah but he why does he like, not wrestle? Yeah, because he wants to go in. That's why he's the highlight. Well, exactly. Same thing with Chuck Liddell. Chuck Liddell had a nice uh, collegiate wrestling career. And did he? I didn't know that. Oh, he, he did. He, oh, he went, to, he went to Cal Poly. He went to the same school. He uh, In the little sports uh, team facilities, there's a big old plaque of uh, the Iceman right there on the wall. Yeah. Holy shit. Yeah. yeah. I just thought he was some like... Yeah, some brawl. Like, let's go, baby. Let's no, go. He oh, fought like that, but no, he yeah. had a. That's why he was always so good at stuffing takedowns or getting back up from his wrestling background, knowing how to throw his hits back, knowing how to shrimp and get out of it. He just didn't want to wrestle nobody. He just said, "Nah, I'm I'm good. I, my hands are pretty hard, so I'm I'm just knock you out this way." But I'll be interested to know if do you guys think it's pressure to go out there and put on another war with the BMF title on the line, or do you think no, just get the win? It is what it is. Oh, I think they've walked this walk so many times. Dustin's done it probably 20, 30 times. You know, just that regular fight week, the media coming in and talking to the same journalists and, mm-hmm. and cutting the weight, and they're so dialed in. But there's just something different about when you know that you're getting in your car, but on the way to work you're going to get in a horrible car crash. But you still got to go. That's Absolutely. a great way to put it. That's a great way to put it. <laughs> it's so, again, I, I think it forget all the belts, forget all the bullshit, uh, forget the crowd. They both know they're going to get kicked in the nuts yeah. super hard, and they can't do anything about it. It is what it is. That's what we signed up for. Yeah. Think, All right, buddy. It's like I, going on patrol. I've been blown up many times. Yeah. Um, yeah. Put in the hospital one night, March oh. 8th, 2008. I I knew every time we left the wire, like, this could be it, this you know? Be and uh, mm. But eventually, I just didn't matter anymore. This is what I do. I show up. This is my job. And we went on a patrol every day for 12 hours. It's, so man, man. It's, a, it's a weird thing when you get comfortable hearing mortars coming in and you're just like, ah, now we're good. Hey, we're good. Yep. I, mean, I uh, accepted death. Yeah. As morbid mm-hmm. as that sounds. Because if I didn't, I wouldn't be able to clear buildings and, and do patrols and navigate through crowds. And um, I got real good at my job, you know. Yeah. There's a lot of pictures of me out there with a bunch of kids around me. But if you don't know... There's a lot of snipers in the city of Tikrit. Uh, yep. You put kids around you, then you're going to be safe because they're not going to kill any children. No, so, no. it's not a good yeah. look. It's not yeah. a good you look. start learning stuff while you're over there. Yeah, it's um, my man right here. Know how to play the game. Yeah, know how to play the game. Hey, Candy, Candy, come on, come on, buddy. And I think they both know how to play the game, and they're both at the the top of the game. I just they're so similar. It's going to be a war. One of them's. I, I I would not be surprised if somebody breaks a leg. God forbid. Oh man, I hope they. Don't. I hope not. But I could just. I mean, Dustin. Justin throws. With with no regard for self preservation. Mm-hmm. No. Mm-hmm. It's I'm just. Let's just fucking hurt this guy. That's it. And that's it. And if that's I hurt it. myself, so be it. Yeah, I'm throwing a hundred mile an hour fastball. Even if I throw my arm out, I'm still throwing it. And 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 think of this, right? If they know that this is either. The, they win or they retire. Ooh. They're going, so they're going to go hard. Oh, oh my yeah. god! Oh yeah! I mean, look, Dustin Poirier. I think outside of Gaethje, look at his fight with Dan Hooker. Dustin mm-hmm. is just nasty with it. He that, doesn't I, care. He's going to throw. And then it wasn't just that he was laying it on Dan Hooker. Dan Hooker was giving it to Poirier. All right, those boys were going out at, at the apex. And I just, I just love that. You know, he did beat my boy. He did make 
you know, Connor looked not so great in those last two fights. I'll say it, but I gotta respect him. I have to. You have to respect him. He he's done so much, and yet, even though we said these guys are a little bit, man, I'm giving him his props, man. Let me get let me get Poirier. Let me show some. Let me show some. Uh, give him some flowers. Dustin Poirier and Justin Gaethje are like we said. They that it's almost like it's destiny that they were meant to meet in this moment where they're both. You know, we don't know how long we're going to have these guys. We don't know how long we're going to be able to watch these two fight. So it's destiny that these two, towards the ends of their careers, are meeting up again with not just a BMF title on the line or not just, you know, bragging rights, but a legit chance at getting a, another title shot where it's more likely probably both these guys, it's their last. Well, like I said, I think for Poirier, regardless of, like, even it might be his last at 55. I really do think Boyd's going to try his luck at welterweight at some point. These are big boys. Yeah. I, I was uh, back uh, stage at the Apex for, uh, I forget what fight it was. Not trying to brag. Um, yeah. yeah. No, 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 no. I was in the Bentley with uh, <laughs> with uh, Will Smith and Denzel and, you know, nothing. It was nothing actually major. the night I was hanging out with Steve Will Do It and Elk Boys and the night uh, Steve-O got choked out. No, and, yeah, I was gonna leave, and Steve will do it. Was like, no, no, hang out. And I walked up to the cage with him and Steve O, and I got to watch them get choked out. Wow, uh, it was a wild night. But Marvin Vittori was there. Mm-hmm. Goes back to Dustin going up to 170. I've seen him on TV many times, just like I've seen you. And then you show up, and you're giant. Marvin's a big boy. Yeah, funny day we he, met him at the uh, the Apex, and he said, or not the Apex, uh, UFC he, 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 last he, year in, International yeah. Fight Week. He's thick. He said the same thing. He he said was, it, he said he's not as big as you, but he's for one eighty five er. Yeah, yeah. He goes like, oh, you're just as big as me. I'm like, brother, let's not get it confused. You're you're getting me out of there. And you're, he, you're getting me here real quick. It was so surprising to see that because we when we were in line, we were like, dude. That dude is a wall. Yeah, yeah. How hey. does he make 185? No idea. No idea. Yeah. But so I, that was amazing. I love what you're saying, though, about Poirier moving up to welterweight because I think it's well known that there's a little bit of a beef between him and uh, Kobe, Kobe Covington. Covington. Mm-hmm. Imagine that fight. Yeah. Those two boys going at it. I think it goes very similar to Masvidal versus Colby, to be oh, honest. Oh, really? Yeah, I think that Masvidal is an even better striker than Dustin in some ways. Really? In his prime, not the Masvidal we've seen the last few fights. He's almost forty years old. No, that is true. You that know, is but true. if you think about him, um, I think they're both, and they've trained together at American Top Team yeah. for all these years. Mm-hmm. And look, it, it, Colby dominated Masvidal. No, he did. He did. But I, see, that goes into was Jorge just so emotionally uh, attached to that fight, he just couldn't think. We've seen a couple times where guys are so emotionally invested in trying to smash this opponent. There's emotions that and, they just don't show up. Mm-hmm. You either way. If you get a guy who played one year of D3 and they got to go run with you, who played four years of D1, there's just a level of reps that you cannot make up for. Fair enough. And when there's a wrestler who, in Kobe, you know, has all those accolades, it's going to look like they didn't show up because Kobe is just that good. So I I don't know. I could see – who do you guys got for – because I still want to break down – like. Quickly, a couple more fights before we get out of here. Yeah. For the BMF? Um, yeah, who do you got? Dustin Poirier. Same. I, I love Gaethje. Dustin Poirier. Mm, you know, we were talking about betting earlier on, and I, I always love making me a nice little eight-leg parlay when I do th- when uh, these fight cards come around. Uh, this one is I hate this card when it comes to betting because I have no clue what's going to happen with the co-main, I, th- especially this one, the main event. I don't I, – it's hard to say. My heart, though, low-key, I kind of want to say Gaethje. Okay. I, I think Gaethje, 
I mean, Poirier's last fight was his fight with Michael Chandler, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So then you have Justin Gaethje, who just got done with Fazeev, and Fazeev's a younger guy. Fazeev's a younger guy who's got, you know, he's fresh. He doesn't have all the damage from years of war. And Gaethje still went in there, and he got the job done, unanimous decision. So I think Gaethje, it's it's not far-fetched to think, you know. The not at all. I think it's recent. Even. Yeah, it's <laughs> even. But it's like he's been in there more recent, and not just with anybody, with a guy at Vizzi's level. So I think that really goes a long way for Gaethje. I think he's going to uh, – I think he's going to get, you know, he's going to get not the upset but just surprised because Poirier won that first one, so they, they tie it up. Yeah, I don't think either one to be necessarily considered up, upset. I know there's an underdog in there, but I think like I'm you said, like you that. like you pointed out earlier, they're so evenly matched. It's just look, if we could ever have a triple threat match, these two and throwing Michael Chandler, I mean I'm gonna bet on both of them. That that's not a bad bet. Yep. That's not bad. Uh I'll have to dive in a little bit, but you know, shout out to Nick Diaz, host of Veterans Minimum. He's a beast with that <laughs> yeah, stuff. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. So I try. I look at all his picks and I try to throw some stuff on there. Yeah. yeah. So we're running out of time, but I want to go over one more fight. This is a fight that means a lot to me, being a, a huge fight fan for the last twenty something years. Uh, Tony Ferguson and Bobby Green are going to go mm. at it. Mm. Uh, Tony's on a five fight skid, but if you look at his all around record, it's like twenty and five or some crap. You know, yeah, whatever it is. Right. So, and he's only lost two killers. Absolute best in the world, the top five. Yep. Yes. You know, Darius, Kevin Lee, uh, Charles Oliveira. You know, it, it hasn't been some scrubs out there. No, not at mm-hmm. all. How do you guys think this fight's going to go? And shout out to, to Bobby Green, too. He's, he, even though he may not have the same accolades as Tony and the same, you know, push behind him, he's an OG. He's on his way out, too. Oh, yeah. I he's, think he's my age. He's late. You know, 38 or something like that. He's on his way out. He's been in there for a minute. He's a gamer, too. So I'm going to go. I personally think it's, you know, submission by Tony. I think Tony wins by submission. I like that pick. I was thinking the same thing as well. How do you guys think this is going to go? Because remember, Tony was dominating Michael Chandler before he got kicked into fucking outer space. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, That that was was scary to see how, how he fell and how he just laid there for so long. But. I, I feel the same way. I think both of these guys are exciting to watch. They both definitely come there to fight. Look, a, a couple years back, these two could have fought for the BMF title at some point. Uh, Bobby Green maybe not necessarily a top five fighter during his career, but you were never disappointed when he stepped out there. He mm-hmm. was swinging for the fences and coming to bring it. El Kukubi, what can we not say good about this guy? Uh, the, well, I think he was just recently hanging off the bridge doing push-ups while also curls with the other hand. Because, you know, he trains very funny. So mm. I think he was hanging he, off the bridge. He's nuts. Yeah. It, it's insane what this guy comes up with. It's like, bro, how do you even think of he something like that? He just tracked a bear in the mountains. <laughs> That's what he said at the press conference. Yeah, it, it, it's, it's How come the phenomenal. Tony fights off? Oh, he got eaten by a fucking <laughs> black bear in the mountains of California. And what, oh how did that happen? He was tracking him. He like was that, tracking he, him. First you break your entire knee over, and then you get eaten by a bear. Yeah. Talk about bad luck. Yeah, he thought it was Khabib out there. He was trying to look for him to finally get that fight going. Damn, talk about a fight we never got. But mm. I think Tony Ferguson is going to utilize his wrestling here. Uh, it's going to be close quarters, I think. At some point, it's going to be dirty boxing, clinch work, gets to the ground. I think Tony is going to be able to utilize his wrestling and 10 plan jiu-jitsu to go in there and uh, get the submission victory. People forget that he's a, a c- incredible wrestler because yeah. he doesn't do it a lot. Yeah. Right? He just defends takedowns and slices you up with his elbows. Very oh, much yeah. so. How do you think this is going to go? It's hard to say, man. It's been hard to watch You know, the last few fights of Tony Ferguson. 
you don't ever want to see a guy, you know, these. it's hard to see these stars when they're at the end of their careers and the losses start piling up and, you know, a lot of, a lot of criticism gets thrown their way. People criticize Tony because they're saying, why aren't you not retiring already? Why did you not retire, you know, right there with the Nate Diaz fight? And, yeah, like you said, like it could be the money. It's probably the money is part of it. But I think El Kukui is – He's a he's a true blue fighter. He loves the sport. He loves to fight. And I think, you know, for fans and the best thing, the best I can hope for, and what I hope we see is a Tony Ferguson victory. I, I would love nothing more than to see that. But at the same time, I also hope that, you know, you hear a lot of things about what's going on maybe in Tony's, you know, private life. And you, you just hope the best for him. I hope, you know, we get a victory on – I hope he gets the victory on Saturday – and I just hope that, you know, everything else in his life is going well and he's, you know, at the end of his career, he's healthy and good. Just like uh, Dan Hooker hasn't been the same since he fought Dustin Poirier, I don't think that Tony's been the same since he fought Gaethje. No. no the, it should have been called probably a round earlier. Those headshots were just... It's a lot. Yeah. It's tough. It, it's tough to, to call that because, especially yeah. when you're such a warrior like that, because you're like, well, he's been in wars before. He can come back from this. And it's almost to the point where it's like, nah, buddy, you you, yeah. you gotta throw that talent now. You as a corner, you gotta watch out for him. And you gotta protect your fighter. And it's tough because you love him, you build that certain bond. And like I said, we've seen him in wars and battles before. So is this just one of those he's gonna have a miraculous comeback? Or is it starting to get to the point where it's like, but we gotta call it. It's tough, but yeah, I agree. They definitely probably should have thought about that in between rounds, like a hey, buddy. You got one minute to show me what you got. If you keep taking these punches, I gotta throw this towel in. I mean, we look at the history of the sport, Frankie Edgar. From Jersey, I, I know Frankie. You know, almost twenty years. He's one Good of our ho- our hometown heroes. Absolute wars, savage, and then he, you know went on a crazy fight, and then eventually you had to retire. Chuck Liddell, mm. absolute killer, Chuck champion, D. went on the same skid, was getting knocked out. Luke Rockhold, Man. Tony Ferguson. That's... At the end of the career, it's just you know their life expectancy at that level in fighting, kind of. You know, and it's not everybody. Look at Glover; he won the fucking bout at forty-two. Forty, so you never know. Yeah, look at George St. Pierre. Yeah, fought when he fought and still looked as great as he was. But he's like, look, my time's up for whatever reason. My time, personal yeah. stuff and other reasons. My time's up. He, he, Tony Ferguson, you have to give him credit as one of the toughest, toughest fighters in the UFC. And that's he's one fighter where you could say being, maybe how tough he is is a problem because look what happened when he fought Oliveira. Oliveira, what was it? His did he have in the armbar or the? Yeah, it was an arm. He he was not tapping, and that thing was snapping off. Who got him in the uh, leg hold? Because it was Charles Oliveira got him in one, and he was not tapping, and that it did not look good. And then he had got another one with the leg, but both of them. And then the fight with Gaethje, where he he was battered and he wasn't going down, he wasn't slept, but he just kept going. I mean, he's so tough. He's so willing to take on pain. And his, his pain threshold has to be just incredibly high. I think that's why he's still fighting, because his belief, his self-belief. That's a one thing I respect about these fighters. And if you can ever learn anything from the MMA community is the self-belief. you got people mm-hmm. who are completely broke, you know, struggling. Should probably go get those 20 credits and get that degree finished up and, mm-hmm. and go an easy route. But their self-belief and their capabilities drives them to to levels that nobody will ever understand and i think that's where tony ferguson's at his self-belief and sometimes like you said it could be detrimental mm-hmm. and that's why you gotta have a good team around you well yeah, said you know exactly. said. so one last fight two seconds then we'll get out of here i know we're running out of time um poet time but i don't think we 
said who was actually going to win. What were your, your predictions for the? We got into a whole talk about it. We did. Uh, I'm taking Pereira. I'm just going to keep it simple. I'm taking Pereira in this one. I think he's going to look real comfortable with his striking, being at a weight class where he doesn't have to drain himself so much. I think he. I love Jan. I just think in this particular one. He's a different kind of striker, and we've seen that against Izzy and other and Strickland and whatnot. So at two hundred five, feeling good. I'm taking I'm taking Pereira. I'm gonna say not only not only am I going with Alex Pereira, I think Pereira gets the knockout victory on Jan, and then we have a new king at light heavyweight. He runs that division. Then we get the fights with him and Yuri. Then we get the fights with him and Jamal Hill. Then it just keeps going and going, and then all of a sudden, light heavyweight division looks real entertaining. It's real big. You guys are confident in that. And I, I'm going to go the opposite way. Okay. I think that Blachowicz is going to beat him similar to the way he beat Israel Adesanya. Ooh. And I'll tell you this. Uh, he's got, Not only is he going up 20 pounds, which is going to be better for his, for his body health and the weight cut, but he did just get knocked out 90 days ago. And if you look at the statistics, even though he's a kickboxer with hundreds of fights, Jan has 31 more MMA fights than him. Yeah, and I think he true. knows damn well what he needs to do to go in there and win. And then we have this this mystique about Pierre right now because he just fought for the belt and all that stuff. He got fast-tracked. He didn't have to fight Whitaker, Vittori, Cannoneer, mm-hmm. and all these other this killers true, in that yeah. division. He got to go fight the guy that he knew he could beat because he already beat Pryor. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I think that he's a complete savage in a lot of respects, but I think he's going to get exposed by the bigger guy, get wrestled. And I think that... We're going to have a new one, number one contender to fight for the light heavyweight belt. Well, the mm. good thing is we're going to find out all these predictions on how they come true come Saturday. Yeah. Can't so, guys, um, I really appreciate guys. It, it's to play. I have a lot of people on. I have a lot of guests, but it's cool. I don't have a lot of other podcasters that I sit and hang out and, and talk, you know, the shit with um, yeah. with the boys, you know, and that's pretty cool. So I appreciate you guys. Oh, we appreciate it right back. This was awesome, man. Great yeah. setup, great environment, great vibes. It was awesome, man. This was lovely. Let Absolutely. everybody know where we can where they can find you guys. Franchise Sports Media, the main event, and for all your sports, Las Vegas High School Sports, Raiders coverage, Las Vegas Aces, Lo- Los Angeles Lakers. You get it all, FranchiseSportsMedia.com. The main event going down every week, myself, Kalani Lua, Griffin Kemp, knocking it out the park. Big man. Yes, sir. You know, follow us on our social medias. We're on the Instagram. We're on the Facebook Live. We are on Twitter. We're making our presence known on the TikTok. We're coming for the for the younger generation, all right? Be sure to like, share, and subscribe. All right, guys. I appreciate you guys coming in. Uh, we'll definitely do this again. Uh, we Absolutely. all win together. We don't win at all, right? Let's Very go. So, Fight Junkie, stay tuned. Please like, share, subscribe. Tell your neighbors. Tell your grandma. Tell your ex-girlfriend. Let's go. We're out. <laughs>